Hello, everyone, and welcome to We Are Maroon and Gold, a podcast featuring me, Chandler Elsbecker. And me, Aaron Williams. I've been hanging some stuff in my apartment uh, over the last few days. You can't see any of it because it's not immediately behind my sofa, but it is on the walls. I feel good about it. It's all pictures I've taken, which is, you know, a proud thing. I like taking pictures when I can. But it it does make it feel like, you know, a, a more adult place. Mm-hmm. You know, assembling your own furniture, putting your own stuff on the walls. Your own um, spin on things. Your now developed identity as an adult. Yeah. You know, it's, it's nice to have up, but, you know, obviously it is just for show. And if it's for show, does it really mean anything, man? But it is what it is. Uh, this is not the best intro we've ever done. I, th- I had an idea a few hours ago and I completely lost it. But it doesn't really matter. You're here because you want to hear us talk about the football stuff, presumably, or you got lost. So uh, we're going to talk about the Gophers win over Eastern Michigan a little bit. Since we are toward on Monday, the game is still fresh, so we'll do that. We'll also preview North Carolina, and later we'll talk about the other games happening in a a little more sparse week three, but not one devoid of entry. No, certainly not. What did you think of that kind of uneventful football game on Saturday? Yeah, so, and I should preface this by saying I was by necessity watching in a bar, So the sound wasn't great, which, again, to me is kind of a pet peeve (laughs) where, like, I don't feel like I can get as into the game when I'm just sort of watching it on a TV, when I'm watching it in silence or with, you know, the soundtrack playing. Yeah, I I thought it was just kind of just uh, whatever game. I mean, if I were to grade us, I'd probably grade us a B or a B minus. Like, it was it was fine. You know, nothing we haven't seen before. Semi-encouraging that, you know, we can, you know, found an identity on the ground, even if it was against a Mac opponent. Yeah, you know, it was, it was, it was okay. It was, it was, it was okay. You know, they made, they, they made some plays. There were some encouraging moments, but, you know, by and large, it wasn't spectacular, I'd say. But do we really expect it to be, do we expect or need it to be spectacular? Not really, probably, if we're being honest. No, I, I was talking with uh, a, a friend before the game of like, I'll only be concerned if like they're behind at half or like they're not like really in control. And at halftime, it was what it was just 10 to six, which is obviously like on its face, not super impressive or anything. But it was very much a game where the Gophers were in front, not just on the scoreboard, but like they were driving play. They were preventing Eastern Michigan from doing more than small dents at a time. Obviously, the defense, I think, had some lapses at points in the first half. I thought that they didn't really defend the run super well those first couple quarters. But obviously, in the second half, you know, I think it was they allowed five yards. Um, And Eastern Michigan never saw a second set of downs on any one of their five second half drives. You can't really ask for more of a bounce back than that. No, you and, can't, argue, can't argue with it. The defense was spectacular. Was, was, I think spectacular was a big word, but was very, very, very good again. Yeah, and obviously you had to be very, very good against a bad team in order for us to feel even sort of happy about how things went. And they, they were. 
against a better quarterback than Austin Smith, there might have been more problems, but they only held the Eagles' best receiver, Tanner Tanu, to four catches for 21 yards. Samson Evans had a few bigger runs, a few moments where you saw the, the power um, that, that he has, but even so, like they, they couldn't really feed him the ball much because they were behind. Um, so 73 yards on 11 carries did not hurt you that much. Meanwhile, uh, you know, their return game didn't hurt you because Dragon Kessich got six touchbacks and he didn't have to punt once. So that's a plus. Also on special teams, they were really, really close to blocking a punt all night, and then they did. Eli Mao had the punt. Uh, Lameki Brockington is apparently on the punt block team, and he was right there too. There were just there, there were a lot of positives. Obviously, it's not great to see a handful of injuries that you you know. Yes. Quentin Redding left the game early. Revan Span forward and Maverick Baranowski left the game late. Neither seemed like long-term injuries in, in the case of the latter two. We didn't. I don't think we heard much about uh, Reading, but for now, you you feel pretty good about where this team is heading into North Carolina, even if you know there are flaws to talk about. And we will. Nathan Kelly managed through just 15 times plus uh, one sack. Uh, he didn't have to do a whole lot. I thought the the way that the Dwarfers were running bootleg on short yardage situations is something they're going to have to either rep a ton in order to make it actually work or just drop from the playbook entirely. They had a fourth and goal where they tried running naked. I think Kelly Manis probably could have taken the corner and said try to cut inside and, and beat the last defender, and it didn't work. But, you know, these are things that you – it's a sandbox, basically, when you're much better than the other team. Uh, so you can't afford that. You can't afford when Darius Taylor fumbles twice officially and then, you know, lost the ball again out of bounds at one other point, lost one of his fumbles. Um, did I say Darius Taylor? I meant Sean he Tyler. Because, yeah, I was going to say. Uh, Sean Tyler had a good game aside from the fumbles. Darius Taylor, having had one Great. career carry to this point, had a phenomenal game. Yeah. Uh, 193 yards on 33 carries, plus his first college touchdown. Um, I, I I could say he got robbed of his second on review, but it was the accurate call. Um, but, you know, a very, very solid first prominent taste of action for the true freshman. Uh, what, what did you think of the way he ran? Oh, I think he ran great. I mean, he was, he's powerful. He's fast. I mean, he was, he was just, he was just better than, he's just better than Eastern Michigan, you know? Um, yeah, no notes. I mean, I, I, and I, I think we, it's something that we saw the potential, um, you know, coming into the season and it's just great to see it play out. So, so quickly, you know, again, even if the opponent, it's a lesser opponent, it's still, it's still encouraging, and, uh, I mean, if they can be a one-two punch or if he can even be like a, a you know, the guy as he might have to be, um, that's, that's a very encour- encouraging that he's making that leap so quickly. Yeah, it is. Um, PJ Fleck just talked about how in so many words, Zach Evans hasn't really shown he deserves the reps, uh, so far. He didn't get one snap in this game. Uh, but Darius Taylor is, is you know, he, he apparently had a really strong camp, and um, you know he's he's still fairly new to the position. Uh, Fleck said today that Taylor only got one season at running back in high school. He was a receiver before that, but 
you know, he, he looks like he has the vision. He looks like he has the power. He said he gained about 17 pounds in the off season since getting to campus. So same. Uh, not, not the first time you've made that joke. I know, I know. It, it still works. Um, you know, uh, it, 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 and I, I think there is also room for Taylor to add a little bit more um, muscle. But, you know, he, he looks like he uh, can handle himself at least pretty well against a much worse team. And uh, that's the bare minimum we're kind of asking for from this team this year is uh, win the easy ones and, and see what happens after that. So uh, 25 to 6 was your abnormal final score, but uh, which I guess means he didn't cover, but it is what it is. Um, right? What was the spread again? Was that? I think it was 20, wasn't it? Wasn't it 20 and a half? I think it was somewhere around there, somewhere in the closer to 20 um, range. But regardless, I, I think if not for a couple penalties, if not for – a couple weird moments in the red zone, you cover pretty easily and are probably over 30 points and you feel great about how things went. Obviously you do want to see more in the red zone, but things went pretty well and uh, we can't really complain too much about it. I don't see what the, oh, final spread was, yeah, 20 and a half. Yep. But anyway. That will not be the case this week. <laughs> the spread is not 20 and a half in favor of the Gophers this week. Yeah, uh, in, in fact, it's it's six and a half in favor of the, the team they're visiting, the North Carolina Tar Heels. Um, have not had the best start to the season, but no. they are 2-0. They have shown um, enough to, to be concerned about this team. And it, I mean, also, like, they, they won 9-5 last year. They won their division. They had a really bad last four games, and... They won a lot of one-store games in the front half of the season, but they still have a probable top five, top ten pick at quarterback. Yeah, that's always tough. Um, and they bring back a ton of their roster from last year, not always in places where that's necessarily a good thing. The offensive line is basically back, and it's a bad offensive line. The secondary brings back a significant amount but also has some really young corners. Secondary in UNC has been not great for the last three or four years. Yeah, this is uh, a team that has had some struggles with defense for a little while. And I, I think they might be better this year, but we it's too early to tell. Because they looked really strong up front against South Carolina, but like South yeah. Carolina is not the best offensive line. They had nine um, sacks though, didn't they? Uh, I think it might have. They, they, I think it was eight times they sacked Rattler. There might have been a, another one, but, um, but then last week against App State, even though they got some hits and they didn't record any sacks. Yeah. Um. So, it, it there is some reason to, to support the idea that oh they're the same team as last year. They have a bad run defense. They, not very good in the red zone. They don't generate havoc plays. Their secondary, you know, may limit. Small may, may limit explosive plays, but you know they they still allow a little bit of some chunks here and there. But um, but there's also some evidence to suggest that maybe they have improved. I thought their defensive line and their in those first two games has looked pretty solid. I, I I don't know if there's been any like standout player 
Um, Desmond Evans, their defensive end, has one and a half tackles for loss and a pass breakup. There's not really, I, I guess their their jack end, you know, basically their rush end. Cayman Rucker, he had seven tackles for loss last year and is already up to five and a half this season. Wow. But the, it hasn't been as loud a game from their linebackers, Cedric Gray and Power Eccles. But I do like them probably a bit more than the other guys on the front, in large part because I watched the way App State ran the ball in this last game, and not a whole lot was happening through the middle, um, using some numbers from pro football focus. Through the A-gaps, App State uh, averaged less than a yard per carry. They didn't get any first downs, any touchdowns, any runs longer than 10 yards. But to the the outside, through the, uh, the left B-gap, the left C-gap, and then the D-gap on the left side, they ran for 5.2 yards per carry, had four runs of 10 or more yards, seven first downs, a couple touchdowns. And then those same gaps on the right side, they averaged five and a half yards per carry and picked up four first downs and two 10-yard runs. So you could tell watching the game that App State's tailbacks were, uh, you know, they, they were doing a lot of outside zone and they knew how to pick their spots. Also, I, I thought that App State's, tackles we're, we're doing a really good job at sealing off those defensive ends um, and then creating cutback lines so I think this would be a game where the Dofers can lean on that aspect of the run game again um, they, they ran more successfully between the tackles uh, this past week but I, I think they could they, they still were pretty solid running to the outside and they could repeat that again uh, going up against uh, a UNC defense that looks a little weak there Two second-year cornerbacks, one of whom is a redshirt freshman who didn't play at all in 2022, and the other one is a true sophomore. His name is Marcus Allen, but I'm willing to bet he's not as talented as Marcus Allen. Um, they, they do have a nickelback. Their star is what they have the name uh, that, of that position, a guy named Elijah Huzzy. Uh, it was an FCS All-American in East Tennessee State defense 22 passes in 2022 um and i thought he had some some good moments in his first two games as a tar heel also some moments where it looked like he got beat um on an inside route or two but uh, i do think he is a potential danger man but I, I would attack the two youngsters on the outside i would i would go you know outside running the ball and um i'd also say you're going to want to limit the number of possessions in this game because yes. uh, of what's on the other side. Yes. Like I said, I, I don't know about the UNC offensive line, um, but I can tell that this is a, the type of scheme that will give the Dofers probably some trouble because it's not something they're used to. The tempo, the stack receivers and bunch formations, the, you know, the, it, it's very much a wide open, you know, modern spread. That is, you know, not like what they get in the Big Ten West. And then also there's a ton of talent, and that starts with Drake May. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know if you've watched much of. I have seen a fair amount of highlights and followed followed the stats and followed his career enough to be scared. Well, I'm scared. Um, I've watched a few games, and... Uh, it's he's not a perfect prospect or anything. I I see some moments, especially under pressure, where he misses some easy throws. I I but like 
you watch him in the intermediate and deep level, it's not just he's got a big arm. It's got it's that he delivers it on target in stride to his receivers. It's his quick release. It's the fact he can, you know, really lace a ball through a tight window if needed. Um, and he has really, really great field. He keeps his eyes downfield even when on the run. He trusts his receivers. He trusts his steel to make really difficult passes, and he earns it. Um, he's a really good improvisational quarterback, which is obviously really big these days. What was it? He ran for 902 non-sack yards last year. Uh, and he hasn't run as much this season because other teams are, you know, prepared for that. South Carolina spied him a lot, um, which did take away the quarterback run. But also, <laughs> he, yes, it gave, it gave him a ton of time in the pocket, a lot of time to you know, hunt for his window, wait for his guys to come open. And, you know, South Carolina lost that game by a couple touchdowns. So um, many did throw um, an interception or two in that game, one of which was definitely his fault. But uh, there were just, you know, it, it, it's really, really hard to defend a guy who has that type of that type of arm, who has that level of smarts about him, who has that level of athleticism and also uh, some some poise to go with all that. So he's really, really good. I wouldn't put him over Caleb Williams because I, I've seen far fewer weak moments from Caleb Williams and also, like, you know, see, seeing Williams in person is just next level. Uh, that's, that's a pretty high bar to clear, you know? I mean, so we're not, we're not, yeah, the, the not great works we're talking about here. Yeah, uh, this is... This is a this is some really good company. If I had a top ten pick in the draft next fall, not fall next spring, then I would feel pretty good about getting Drake May. I think um, for now, as a Gophers interested party, I'm not feeling great about the fact that Drake May uh, is a football player that they are going to have to face. Um, he also has some good weapons. Not, uh, I mean, I, I really liked their their. They're tight ends who put together, you know, some some pretty good seasons last year. John Copenhaver, uh, maybe Copenhaver. I, I forgot to get his pronunciation here. He had 222 pass, uh, receiving yards last year. Kamari Morales had uh, over 350. Bryson Nesbitt had over 500. Um, it's a it's a solid group of tight ends, and then you have a pretty good group of receivers as well. Um, last year, the the best of which was probably, I mean, I guess J.J. Jones, he averaged 18 yards per catch. Uh, and then Kobe Pesor was a little more of a short-range option. They did have four touchdowns and over 300 receiving yards. They will most likely be without Tez Walker. Is there any he chance trans- that he plays? So he was denied a transfer waiver from the NCAA. He was at Kent State the last two years. It was really exceptional at Kent State last year. Um, but moving to NC State was technically his second transfer. Originally, he was at NC Central in 2020. But when NC Central canceled the season because of COVID, uh, he hadn't played a game, so he transferred to Kent State and started playing there in 2021. Then Sean Lewis left Kent State to become Colorado's offensive coordinator, uh, which, you know, those are both like normally circumstances where 
the NCAA is going to be a little bit more lenient. You know, COVID, head coach leaving, like these are these are things where sometimes this um, organization can be nicer about, but they, UNC appealed twice for a waiver, but has been denied. Matt Brown released a very angry statement last so, week. Um, this this afternoon, uh, I don't remember exactly who it is, but some administrators came together and had a meeting basically trying to figure out what they can do about it. Um, we don't know what or when that may be. Maybe, because this is UNCU has kind of stuck it to the NCAA before, they just play Tez Walker and deal with any vacated wins or just dare, you know, the NCAA to to slap some penalties on them. Um, but most likely, I would bet Walker does not play this week uh, or probably the rest of the season. But def- I, I think it's more likely he does not play this week than any other game just because it's still you know, fairly fresh. So I wouldn't expect him to play, but who knows? Um, if he does, if he doesn't, what I do know is your DBs, they, they got to be up for this one. Yep. Um, just the, the, the number of crossing routes, the number of weird formations they're going to face, the, the, the deep balls they are going to have to face. Like you got to keep everything in front of you. Um, you got to, be aware of your assignments and uh and also on top of that your 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 linebackers are gonna have to worry about the other guys who can catch the ball because like i said they've got guys in multiple positions who can do that um and you gotta get pressure worth four because i think if you blitz you know i i i'd like to see more of may um facing a blitz to know exactly how he'll cope with that um, I, it looked like Clemson was giving him some problems last year in the ACC championship game, but that's also a Clemson defense, not a Minnesota defense, as good as the Minnesota defenses normally are. Um, so, you know, I, I think it'd be best if you can pressure with four, not let May out of the pocket. You will probably have to spy, but, you know, it starts with pressure. And by the way, also you are facing a team that, can run the ball pretty well and is going to run a lot of plays really, really quickly, which is going to eat into your depth. And that I think is going to be one of the keys here is if UNC puts together some long drives and I expect they will, then I don't look at the cornerback situation, the nickelback situation, the linebacker situation, especially I, I would bet Cody Lindenberg is probably back, but we don't know. Uh, is still out. Baranowski might be out. You know, that's that's not a great situation, and it's one of the reasons I have the, the Gophers losing by a couple touchdowns here. What what are you thinking? 35 to 20. I think we are a good team. I think they are a good team. I don't think the matchup is particularly good. I don't think we are explosive enough to keep up with them on offense. I think the, I think winning is going to require a really standout performance from the defense. I think it's going to require some turnover luck. And I think you're really going to have to control the Darius Taylor is going to have to do Darius Taylor stuff, you know, to, uh, yeah, I don't know. You're, I mean, it's not, it's not impossible. I mean, I think all the, ever, you know, whatever ESPN's the 70, 30, give or take. And that seems maybe about right, but 
more times than not, I think they their explosiveness is going to win out against against our secondary, just our defense in general, and our our team in general. Yeah, I've got 38-24 as the final. Um, all all of that I agree with. You you need to be able to to limit possessions, to not give the ball away. Sean Tyler has to be, you know, he has to maintain ball security. And uh, you're going to need someone to step up with big plays, and you haven't seen that as consistently as you would like this season. Um, of course, last week the Gophers didn't really try to get explosives. So, is um, is any chance Ottman Bell plays? I don't. I, I I don't know. It. He was. He warmed up both games. He played exactly one snap against Nebraska. I would guess. There's a greater chance than in any previous games, but it would be great to get him back. Hopefully he he is in because the Gophers will need him. Yeah, he's a big play receiver for sure. Spread is six and a half, like we said. SP Plus uh, has UNC winning 28-22, 64% chance of UNC winning. Massey gives the Gophers actually uh, the better chance of winning, 53% chance with a final score of 26-24, but it might not be as responsive to early results, as I know SP Plus has gotten a little bit more responsive. But kickoff is 2.30 on ESPN, weather forecast, uh, low 80s, clear, 5-mile-per-hour winds. Because we're recording on Monday, we don't know who's calling the game. Um, but, you know, on ESPN, so uh, I would bet we're probably going to get one of the better teams. We'll see. The other Big Ten games this weekend, Friday night, Virginia goes to Maryland, 6 o'clock in FS1. Penn State, Illinois is the big noon Saturday game on Fox after <laughs> Illinois you know, got beat by Kansas pretty bad. Louisville, Indiana, 11 a.m. on BTN. Georgia Southern, Wisconsin, 11 a.m. on the alternate BTN. At 2.30, Northwestern Duke on ACC Network. Western Michigan, Iowa on BTN. Virginia Tech Rutgers on BTN. 3 o'clock on Fox, Western Kentucky, Ohio State. 4 o'clock on Peacock, Washington at Michigan State, which is like yep. easily the best game here. At least yep. it's a game you get to watch Michael Penix. Yep. Um, and you don't have to watch Jeff Sims. And you don't have to watch Jeff Sims. 6 o'clock on FS1, Northern Illinois goes to Nebraska. Bowling Green in Michigan, 6.30 BTN. Syracuse at Purdue is the 6.30 NBC game, which was a nutty game last year. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe... Could be good this year, too. I mean, those are, de- those are about decent teams, we, we think. Yeah. Uh, what what did Purdue do in week two? They won. I know that much. Yeah, they beat um, they beat Virginia Tech. Oh, yeah. That's, they played uh, two, I mean, two close games against two quality opponents. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, Virginia Tech might be less quality, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, what else you got this weekend? Yeah, I do want to highlight um, Washington, Michigan State. Obviously, for reasons, um, Michigan State is uh, struggling right now, um, not having their coach and whatnot. But um, with that said, they have played pretty well. Again, there's the the Penix comes back to the Big Ten narrative, um, and yeah, I mean he's he's fun to watch. Washington's fun to watch, but I think that is 
to your point, the most intriguing game from that particular slate. Um, as far as other games, I don't think this is at quite as exciting. I do like Fresno State at Arizona State late, perhaps. Um, I don't think Arizona State is great, but I think it has the potential for some some kind of shenanigans. There aren't really any big, you know, ranked games. I will say, you know, we talk about Tennessee a lot. And we talk about quarterbacks a lot, but I, I do think there's a, a more vulnerability against Florida. I think I don't think either of those teams are very good. I think Tennessee is better, but you want to look for a decent SEC game. That's probably the one that you're going to get. Um, other games, I don't know. Is Wake Forest ODU? Is that anything potentially? Probably not. Old Dominion did beat ULL last week, but like that was a fairly close game. I don't know exactly what Wake is right now. So maybe it's on ESPN too, so it's it's something you can flip by. Yeah. Kansas State, Missouri. Uh, Missouri has not looked great, but theoretically they are a team that is talented enough to at least compete with Kansas State if Kansas State isn't doesn't have a great game. Um, that game has some potential. I don't really like the earlier ranked games in that in that time slot. Obviously, Florida State's just going to probably run over Boston, run th- throw around Boston College. I don't know about I don't know anything about Mississippi State this year, so I don't know how, how they match up against LSU. San Diego State, Oregon State. I'm kind of reaching at this point, but I guess they're probably not. Oregon State's probably a lot better. I'm I'm waiting to see exactly how good Oregon State is. You know, it's it's, it's probably possible. better than than the Aztecs, though. <laughs> yeah, I I feel comfortable saying that. Um, Oregon State's defense is is surely better, or offense is surely better than what the the, the Aztecs have going for them. Um, and then we had mentioned I can't remember if he's off mic or on mic. I think it was off the backyard brawl, Pittsburgh at West Virginia. Um, that is a historic rivalry. Um, that is uh, a rivalry where, like all the best rivalries, they do not like each other very much, and they have not liked each other for a very long time. Um, the teams are mediocre, but, you know, sometimes it doesn't matter. You know, it, it, it doesn't matter. So um, I think that uh, I think that's another 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 choice choice matchup there. That's a marquee rivalry in the sport and one that is, is missed. Um, it's not really one I got to appreciate until it was gone. Because in North Texas, you just don't really pay attention to, to Appalachian football very much, or Appalachian football, I guess. Um, but uh, I'm I'm really glad it's back. Uh, last year's game was very good, and it would be really cool if this game is also really good. That was the one that came down to like the one yard line, right? Was that Week One, or was that Penn State versus West Virginia Week One last year? I think it might have been Penn State versus West Virginia Week One. Anyhow. Uh, they- it, so they played the backyard brawl week one last year. Penn State did not play West Virginia last year. Um, but I don't know why I'm uh, Penn State in, in this, but I, yeah, you're right. You're right. I think there was like a pick six to, to clinch the, the win for, I think it was West Virginia who won last year. I'm not, I, I forget. Or maybe it was Pitt. I don't remember exactly. But anyway. It's good. Um, yeah, it was, it was a good game. Uh. As far as other games, Army UTSA is interesting Friday night. Um, K State Missouri, like you said, you know that's a that's a that's a game with history at the very least. 
Um, Holy Cross and Yale. Holy Cross almost beat Boston College this past week, but didn't quite pull it out. Yale was a good Ivy League team last year. I think they won nine games, maybe. Uh, that'll be 11 a.m. on ESPN+. East Carolina, App State, 2-3 on ESPN+. I'm intrigued by that one. St. Thomas goes to Harvard, which I imagine yeah. is, insert your joke about St. Thomas students. Is there really one for this? I don't know that there is one. I don't know that there's any, like, layers of intrigue here. It's just, you know, it's a big matchup. You know, St. the Tommies versus the versus the Crimson versus the Eggheads, you know? It's, the, it's like the, I don't know, the mean Catholics versus the preppy something or another, you know, elitist Ivy League scum or whatever, you know? I don't know. We do have uh, one of the oldest rivalries in college football happening this weekend, Cincinnati and Miami. They play for the Victory Bell. They have played 126 times since 1888. Very, very big rivalry. More for Miami at this point than for Cincinnati, but they keep playing it every year, and that's something. Uh, James Madison and Troy is 6 o'clock on NFL Network. If you want to watch the Gophers Week 5 opponent, uh, UL Lafayette goes to UAB. PCU at Houston, a uh, Southwest Conference reunion. Um, they're back in the Big 12 together, but I'm not really convinced that's going to be a great game. Uh, New Mexico State, New Mexico is on something called Mountain West Network. Uh, seven o'clock and um, Sacramento State, Stanford, seven o'clock on Pac-12 network, not not a real network, but Stanford took Sacramento State's coach this offseason. So that's slightly intriguing. Wyoming has the potential to do something really, really funny in Austin, <laughs> seven o'clock on networks. I would really appreciate if they did. Um, and then you have the Rocky Mountain Showdown in Boulder, 9 o'clock on ESPN, Colorado State going to Colorado. But a lot of those games are more about the culture around those games, and a lot of them are about, this could be interesting, this could get a little wacky. I agree, there's not really a, a solid heavyweight matchup here. But that's, again, it's okay. There's enough There's enough B matchups that will turn into A matchups that it'll be great, you know, just how it goes. Yeah, week one was not supposed to be that great and we got some some really really good games especially in the early window so we'll we'll see what happens college football uh as always has, has a way of, of becoming more interesting than it looks like it should be on paper so yeah um i don't think i have anything else this week do you uh no no um, I won't be able to watch much of the game probably on Saturday, unfortunately, due to a wedding that I will be at. Um, but very much hoping for a great slate and very much hoping for a potentially surprising Gophers W. Uh, I, I know the answer to this, but the listeners do not. Where is the wedding? The wedding is in Kiowa, South Carolina, an island off the coast of South Carolina. Um, very excited to be there. You know, the weather is great up here, but I think the weather's going to be even better down there. Um, it's going to be with a lot of friends and family, and it's going to be a fantastic time celebrating uh, my friends. So, yeah, really excited for it. I know you were mentioning you, you were, you're 
thinking about several months ago, like, could you make it work doing doing Chapel Hill in this? Was, am, I, am I mistaken there? Uh, I don't think that was ever a serious consideration because I was not going to be able to make that work. <laughs> but anyhow. Well, uh, I'll be somewhere in the Twin Cities watching it and uh, we'll, we'll have a report next week both on that game and on the Northwestern Wildcats, who will presumably uh, not not be good. So um, enjoy football to your fullest capability this weekend, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you again next week. Absolutely. See ya.